0: Uh, is this the lund loop if so um we wish to cancel um we do not wish to belong to that or to pay this anymore thank you lund loop podcast takes 79. hey everybody welcome to the lund loop the podcast where we talk about the intersection of markets, trading, and life. And in a moment, I'm going to give you an update on the train wreck that is my long-term covered call strategy. I'm going to talk about this strategy, which I'm convinced I can get my head around, but which is currently going down in elegant blue orangish flames. Anyway, first of all, it's my birthday. This morning, I got in the car to drive my son to school, and he says hey dad, what's on the agenda for your birthday? I had to laugh at that because kids have a totally different view of birthdays than adults do. Kids think that the whole world stops and acknowledges that it's your birthday and the whole day is set around your birthday. But when you get to my age, 55, you know that a birthday is just like any other day. Now I might be a little biased because I've never been a big birthday fan to start with. But to be honest, I've already gotten what I want for my birthday my son this morning unprompted came up gave me a big hug and a kiss said happy birthday dad I love you more importantly my daughter who's in the middle of that 16 year old girl teenage funk where every time you talk to her you try to hug her dad she came up to me gave me a big hug a big kiss dad I love you they gave me handwritten cards which they normally do every birthday Look, I know I play an a-hole online, but I really am a softie at heart. I have a whole closet that's full of not only birthday cards they've given me, but every Father's Day, every Christmas, uh, every project they've made something for me at school. I've got candles and wicker baskets and hangers with yarn on them and tiles. All these weird projects that teachers have kids make for their parents. I got them all. And to me, they're more important than anything. I'd take those over a super expensive car or a Rolex or whatever. So I've kind of got what I want for my birthday. Tomorrow night, we're going to go out to Korean barbecue. That'll be fun. And then next week, a friend is going to take us out to Captain Jack's, which is the best crab in the world. That's right. I said it. It is the best crab in the world. I will put this crab up against your crab any place, anywhere, anytime. So if you find yourself out in Sunset Beach, California, you got to go to Captain Jack's Best Crab in the World. So after my son asked me what was on the agenda for my birthday, I threw it back to him and I said, Well, what do you have on the agenda for my birthday? And he said, Well, I can't tell you because it would be a surprise. All right. And then he said, Hey, Dad, let me ask you a question. Have you ever been surprised on your birthday? My immediate answer was no because I view myself as the type of person that can't be surprised. I'm too intuitive. I'm always paying attention. I'm a traitor, you know. But as I thought about it, I realized I actually have been surprised on my birthday. In fact, I've been surprised on my birthday three times. The first time wasn't a huge surprise, but a surprise nonetheless. My wife, My mom and I went to a restaurant out here in SoCal called La Cave, which I think translates to the cave. Makes sense because you enter the restaurant on the top level and then you take an elevator that goes down into an underground area. Got to the underground area, the doors opened, and there were a bunch of friends from out of town. I was totally shocked, did not see it coming. Authentic surprise. The second time I was surprised was by my wife. Now, I've mentioned before on this podcast that I'm somewhat of a coin nerd, a numismatic fan. I'm not really active in the numismatic world I was as a kid, but every now and then I'll buy myself a few coins. But I would never ask for coins as a gift because coins are a very, very specific item. It's not like you can just go to Target and shop for coins. Unbeknownst to me, though, my wife had gone to the local coin shop, the place that I had frequented for a number of years, talked to the owner, said, my husband is Brian Lund. I want to buy him some coins for his birthday. Here's how much I have to spend. And he set her up with some coins. So she brought him home, wrapped him in little packages, then put him in a box. This is about two weeks before my birthday. One day I get, uh, you know, I hear her downstairs. Honey, I need you. All right, so I come downstairs. I'm paying attention to something else. She goes, I need your finger. Okay. Come into the bedroom and she's got this box that she's wrapping. It's got a bow on the top. She goes, put your finger here. Okay. So put my finger there. She ties the bow. Thanks. Did not even think about it. Like I said, it was a couple weeks before my birthday. I just don't think in those terms. My birthday morning comes. I come downstairs. The kids have their gifts. There's a little cake there. A couple of gifts and right in the center, is a box that I immediately recognize. I'm like, wait a minute. Isn't that the box that I helped you wrap? Of course, my wife's got this little Cheshire cat grin. I open it up and it's coins. So that was the second time that I was surprised. But perhaps the time that I was surprised the most was on my 21st birthday. Now, I have to give a little bit of context on this. I think I've mentioned on a previous podcast that when I was 20, I worked as a bellman at the Sheraton Newport. But what I probably haven't mentioned is that I was in love, puppy dog love, first love, your heart hurts in the worst way type of love with one of my coworkers. Her name was Renee. She was a PBX operator. And not only was I in love with her, but I was in a weird type of unrequited love. So we were friends. And then we became close friends. And then we started going out on dates. I'm doing air quotes. But we never really passed over into more than friends. Meaning there was some hand-holding, there were some longing looks at each other, but we never kissed, never went any farther than that. I'm 99.9% sure it's because I was a complete dork. I think if I had tried to make a move, it would have been received well, and who knows, we might be married today. But I was a dork and we didn't. But at this point, we were right in the throes of this thing. I wasn't sure where it was going. There was a lot of intensity and heat, but you know, I, I didn't know how it was gonna resolve. She called me up about a week before my 21st birthday And said, why don't I pick you up on your birthday and we'll go over to Jennifer's house and hang out. Jennifer was another PBX operator at the Sheraton. Great. Look, all I cared about was being with Renee. So she comes over, picks me up. We're driving over there. We get to Jennifer's house, open the door. Surprise! There's about 30 people there. Not only were there 30 people there but there were people from all different facets of my life. I don't know how it is with you, but when I was growing up and to some extent now, I have little pods of friends. My online friends don't know my real life friends who don't know my friends from high school who may not know friends from another facet of my life. And for some odd reason, all those different groups were there at the house. I mean, somehow she had figured out how she could contact these different groups and get them all together, which I you know, thought was pretty cool. And I was so happy because I was surrounded with all my friends in the presence of the woman I loved who I really thought that I would maybe even marry. The only thing that was odd was Ken Bogondo. Ken Bogondo was a bellman at the Sheraton Newport. I knew him, but we weren't really friends. And he was here at the party. Now, Ken was a tanned surfer dude guy. You're like, hey man, what's going on? Fine, no problem with him, but it just seemed weird that he was there. I thought maybe he had heard about it through the grapevine, and that's why he showed up. No big deal. So we're having a great time. Everyone's partying. We're playing pool. And then someone says, okay, let's move the party. And I'm like, move the party? Yeah, we're going to go to the Red Onion. The Red Onion was a hot spot that everybody had been hanging out at recently. I was like, great, let's go to the Red Onion. So everybody gets their coats and their stuff and starts moving outside into their cars. And Renee comes over and says, I'm so sorry, but I can't go with you. And I'm like, why? She's like, I have to work the early shift tomorrow. And of course, being the dork that I was, I was like, that's okay. I j- Thank you so much for organizing this and, uh, you know, I'll call you and blah, blah, blah. So whatever. We all get in our cars. We're starting to drive. And I look back out the rearview window and I notice that Renee is talking to Ken. And as we drive farther down the street, I see the two of them walk over and get into Ken's car. And I figured Ken's just going to give her a ride home. So that was the third time that I was surprised on my birthday. My grandfather lived a healthy and full life. He died at the age of 88. One night he went out with his friends and his wife to his favorite Chinese restaurant, had a great meal. The next morning he sat up in bed, said, oh, and he died like that of an abdominal aneurysm. I think that's the great way to go out. Now I'm 55, he was 88. So I figure I still got at least another third of my life to go, maybe with medical innovations longer than that. Who knows? But I thought in honor of my birthday, I would come up with a list of 20 things that I've learned so far in my life. So without any further ado, here are the 20 things I have learned so far. Number one, shorting makes a profit much faster, but it is also much, much harder to do. Number two. You don't have to agree with someone's politics to appreciate, respect, and enjoy their art. I'm not really down with the anti-American, anti-capitalism lyrics of Rage Against the Machine, but they kick ass, and I cannot deny that. Number three. My father told me to believe half of what you read and none of what you hear. But nowadays, it's none of what you read and none of what you hear. Number four. A successful trade consists of a lot of little things done right. But the most important thing is buying right. If you do that, you can make a lot of little mistakes and still come out with a profit. Number five, serving black tar heroin as an appetizer at a dinner party. is actually considered a faux pas. Number six, I don't believe there is any disagreement between friends that cannot be solved with a good bottle of scotch, some fine cigars, and a couple of plush leather chairs. Number seven, the word negative is the most beautiful word in the English language when it relates to CAT scan results. Number eight, people's views on the market are usually influenced by the investing period in which they grew up, the experience of their parents, and sometimes what's going on in their personal lives. Number nine, everyone has limited resources. Time, energy, patience, focus, and the older you get, the more precious they become. The sooner you realize that, the better off you'll be. Number ten, extremism on either side of the political spectrum is toxic. Back in the day when I used to be open to actually discussing politics with people, I had a litmus test question. I said, What do you think of Keith Oberman and Rush Limbaugh? If they answered, Both of them are idiots, then discussion on. Number 11. A marriage, it's a journey, not a destination. The moment you stop working at it, it begins to die. Beer break, Hey, it's my birthday. Number 12. I spent way too much time drinking in bars in my 20s, but I probably would not be any better at speaking Spanish or playing the drums now if I hadn't. The point is, sometimes we use not having the time as an excuse, but if something is really important, we have to make the time. Number 13. Doctors are really bad poker players. Number 14, now this is going to be controversial, but I think it can be mathematically proven. Redheads are either really hot or really ugly. Take, for example, Ginger, Gilgan's Island, and Carrot Top. Case closed. Number 15, Lenny Bruce, the TV show Friends, and Van Halen are, not unlike the lyrics of that train song, overrated. Norm Macdonald. Stone Temple Pilots and the kids in the hall? Underrated. Number 16. If the girl you are in love with says she can't celebrate your 21st birthday with you because she has to get up early for work, and then you see her getting in the tanned surfer dude's car, the tanned surfer dude is banging her. Number 17. A good sense of humor is one of the healthiest things you can have in life, and schadenfreude is one of the most toxic. Number 18, Che Guevara is not a romantic hero. He is a murderer. You might as well have a picture of Hitler or Stalin on your t shirt. Number 19, when you're a young man, no matter what they say, thinking about baseball does not help. Number 20, the best two days of a business partnership are the first and the last. And I cheated, I have two more here. Number 21, don't trust someone who doesn't like music. Don't trust someone who doesn't like comedy. Don't trust someone who doesn't like porn. And finally, having children is the best thing that ever happened to me. Each time I look at them, it feels like Christmas, my birthday, and winning the lottery all rolled into one. And the best thing is, I get to experience it again and again throughout each and every day. Uh-uh. Is this the loop? Okay, so let's talk about this train wreck of a situation that is my long-term covered call strategy. It's not so bad because my time frame is 15, 20 years from now, but it hasn't started off well. Now, I don't want to overcomplicate this, so I'm not going to get into too many details. I'm not going to throw too much into the mix. I think one of the problems I'm having with this strategy, let's call it a strategy, is I'm overthinking it. So I'm just gonna let you know where I'm at, let you know what I think my problem was and then how I intend to fix it going forward. All right, so just to recap, I started this with three different stocks, Spotify, Peloton, and Visa. And the idea was I was gonna buy the least amount of shares I could, 100 shares, and then write one call against those and then try to figure this out in real time because the way I learn is by doing. So. Let's start with Spotify. So I bought 100 shares of Spotify. And by the way, I'm doing this specifically without charts because, well, I'll tell you why in a minute. So I bought 100 shares of Spotify on August 15th at 122.59. I sold a 923 130 call against it at $509, bought it back at 127 for a $382 profit. Then I sold a October 21, 125 call against it for 400 bucks, bought that back for 50 bucks. So $350 profit. So right now, those two trades right there, I've got a, let's do the math here, uh, seven, $732 profit. Okay. Then this week, I sold, well, I bought another 100 shares of Spotify separate from the first position, I sold a 1028 call against it for $716, which I thought was a pretty good premium. That currently has an open profit of $316. So where do I stand? I've got 200 shares of Spotify that currently have an open loss of $3,781. Against that, I've got uh, three, six, nine, a thousand, about a thousand fifty dollars in profit on my uh, the calls that I wrote. All right. Next is Peloton. Uh, Peloton, I bought uh, I bought uh, three hundred shares of Peloton on August sixteenth at fourteen oh four. I sold a 924 four sixteen dollar call, or sold three of them um, for an open price of four hundred sixty two dollars. Bought it back at one fourteen for a profit of. And then I had a Visa position or have a Visa position, which I bought on August 15th, 100 shares. I sold a 923, 220 call for $438, bought it back at 108. So profit of $330. Currently on Peloton, I've got a $1,659 loss against that 348 profit. On Visa, I've got a $3,000 $3,000 loss against that $330 profit. All right. So I didn't rewrite the calls on Peloton and Visa. And there's a couple of reasons why, as I go back retro retroactively and try to deconstruct my mindset. The first thing is it happened so fast. Like I got to 75% profitability on those calls that I wrote so fast that I wasn't sure what to do. Like I felt like, I mean, I get it. You can roll it out in strike, you can roll it out in time, but I felt like if I rolled it out in time, if I wanted to get more premium, I'd have to go really far out. And if I rolled it down in strike, I'd have to go really close to where I might get assigned. So that kind of fucked with my head and I froze. I didn't rewrite it. I got a little bit of a, and the same thing with Visa. It was a similar situation. I got to 75% really quick. Market dropped. Then we got a little bit of a bounce and I was too greedy. I almost rewrote both of those, but I didn't. Then the market rolled over. And the problem is I've been thinking to myself, well, we're just going to get this big counter trend rally. It's really interesting. My my trading mindset when I'm talking equities is so um, bifurcated. It's so uh, compartmentalized against the way I'm thinking over here on the options. On the options, I feel like a newbie. I'm throwing all these what ifs and everything. It's, it's really weird how I can keep these two separate mindsets going at the same time. But I kept thinking, well, there's gonna be a big rally. And if I resell the calls on Peloton and Visa, I'm gonna get called away. And then we just grind lower and we just grind lower and we just grind lower. Uh, I don't know why I did it different on Spotify. Spotify have been a little bit more mechanical. But here's what I think the takeaway is. And by the way, thank you to so many members of the community that have hit me up and given me their suggestions and tell me what they've done. And you know, I think the light is at the end of the tunnel, I think. Hopefully it's not a train, but we'll see. So I was looking at charts today. And the way that I had set up this experiment was every time I sold something, I marked it on the chart. Every time I closed I marked on the chart. I marked the levels. You know, I saw where it was in relation to where the stock was currently trading. And then it was like a fucking thunderbolt from Odin that hit me in the head. I shouldn't even be looking at charts. That's the trader in me. That's the trader in me that's trying to game this thing. I should just literally be mechanically selling those calls when we get to 75%. Boom, I'm out. I mean, maybe if the market's tanking and I know I'm gonna get ninety, okay. But even that I feel like it's wrong. Get to 70 out, then just resell. And if I have to go out farther, if I have to go out 90 days to get enough premium, then that's what I have to do. If I got a profit so quick that I've got to go out 90, that's what I have to do. I don't want to roll down because I don't want to get taken out. And forget about the charts. Because the charts are just fucking with my head. They're I'm, you know, I'm trying to be too cutesy on this. So, I took all my charts off, or all the annotations on the charts off. They're all on a spreadsheet now. But I'm still in this problem where I'm, you know, I've got the uncovered positions in Peloton and Visa, and I don't want to cover them because I feel like <laughs> I feel like a big rally is right around the corner. Uh, I know that's the total wrong um, way to think about it. And the fact that I only have 100 shares apiece is probably lulling me into not doing what I should do. But um, like I said, I think the upside potential here is probably higher than the downside potential. So my plan is the next time we get a significant rally, I'm going to write those calls against Visa, write them against Peloton. Um, you know Spotify if, if I've hit 75% and then that's it it's just mechanical I'm not going to overthink this I got to keep remembering that it's a 10, 15, 20 year thing I'm not trader guy I'm not looking at charts I'm just trying to cookie cutter this and uh, grind down the cost basis with the idea that eventually um, it's going to be profitable um, I would like to repeat that want to be canceled from the Lund Loop, whatever you've got me on, um, if you wish to call and explain what it is, of, actually, uh, forget that. Well, that's it for this episode. If you got any questions, hit me up at brian, V-R-I-A-N, at thelundloop.com.